Financial institutions are conservative by nature. Now, are you going to have every financial institution, even once it's descheduled? No, because it's still high risk. But you would have a broader base. And part of what, what EMC does is, is helping on the financial services side so that more of the industry will understand the market and not just be deer in the headlights. Welcome to the KayaCast podcast presented by Kaya Push, the cannabis software making people management easy. The KayaCast is all about helping cannabis retailers launch, grow, and scale their business. I'm your host, Tom Mulhern, and I want to invite you to join us each week for conversations with thought leaders in the cannabis industry about their experience and expertise of working in the cannabis. I am so excited to share another one of my interviews from MJ BizCon. Today's interview is with Kirsten Trusco, who is the CEO and co-founder of the Emerging Markets Coalition. Kirsten is working with organizations across North America to really help open the banking system and payment system in cannabis. And we all know how hard it is to get payments right in this industry. There's so much legislation around it. And so Kirsten and her team are working to make this a better system. She's working diligently on Capitol Hill, working with legislators who are making the laws that will bring in some of these changes. She has a ton of experience and knowledge in this industry and in working with emerging markets. She also has another nonprofit known as Payments as a Lifeline that works in the nonprofit uh, space for disaster relief. So she is a wealth of information, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Kirsten Trusco is the CEO and co-founder of Emerging Markets Coalition, an organization focused on normalizing financial services for underserved markets, currently focused on cannabis-related industries. Previously, she led the successful drive to normalize marginalized, underserved markets and help drive advocacy to change legislation and regulation in emerging markets. Kirsten's pro bono work is in anti-human trafficking, especially engaging the financial service industry to partner with law enforcement and governments to find and follow the money trail. Kirsten, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Have you been to MJBiz before? I've been a couple of times and coming out of fintech and banking and insurance, very calm, rational. I've tried to explain to our EMC members, this is not that. No. No, this is entirely different. I've been to some broker, insurance broker events, and they're nothing like this. Mm -hmm. This is a whole different world. But it's an emerging market. It is. And that's what's exciting. From a a, a career of being in moving money and fintech and and banking, this is an emerging market. This is one that is grossly underserved by the financial services industry. And I think a lot of it is because they just don't understand the market. There's all these preconceptions that are old. Yeah. And a lot of this is education. Well, and there's so many, there's so much stigma around this plant Mm -hmm. and, but there's so much opportunity as well. So tell me a bit about your background. Obviously you have a background in insurance and fintech. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your background and then how did you end up with all these cannabis people? So I ended up here by accident. Okay. Okay. I have always felt, once I left, I was with KPMG for years, very buttoned down, right? Banking and, and payments. And chose to move to emerging markets to where where the industry was going 
versus where it's been. Okay. And so I've worked for years with Fortune 100 down to earlier stage startup. So with, with cannabis, you mentioned in the intro, anti-human trafficking yeah. is my pro bono work. So this was in 2019, and I got a call from our law enforcement friends that said, we have an anti-human trafficking, it's, it's about a child, and get your geeks together, you're going to help us follow the money to get way up the food chain. I said, there's no electronic trail here. Where'd you get this? And they said, well, it's cannabis, so it's all cash. I'm like, isn't that stuff legal? I'm like, God, you're so stupid. <laughs> and that, that kind of got me in to, well, this is an underserved market. Yeah. And having worked a lot in anti-money laundering and anti-human trafficking, we learned if there's a bunch of cash sloshing around that the authorities can't see, then bad guys yeah. get in. So this was, was by accident, but it parallels really well another high-risk industry that I also ran a, a trade coalition for. It was prepaid back in the day, and it was very similar to what cannabis is now misinformation, vilification, not a lot of proper rules for banks and fintech. So I went to my co-founder and said, remember we did that years ago? Let's take that same playbook and drop it in here. So the, the playbook includes proactively going to the federal government, legislators, regulators, law enforcement, and educating on the facts, not the fiction, and helping to create what, what are the rules for this so that more financial services companies will come in in our past life, we even got the IRS to change the rules for us. Oh, wow. Which is, it's not easy, but we've got a playbook. And because we spent so many years on Capitol Hill and with IRS and law enforcement and never embarrassed them, never lied, never, never put them in a bad position, they're much more open to talking to somebody with whom they already have a relationship, even in a high-risk, underserved market. So, you know, obviously you have a passion for this nonprofit work. <laughs> Where did that come from? Like what was, like what inside of you that kept you from just being a regular old banker? So what attracted was each of us has our gift, right? Mm -hmm. We each have our, our, our expertise. And in my case, it's ferreting out how to move money for good and then bringing in this network of fintechs and banks and government and law enforcement and bringing us all together and say, look, if we as the good guys don't come together, yeah. The bad guys win. Same cannabis and, and disaster and all kinds of things. What I do for a living that actually pays my kids tuition is market entry strategies. So it's helping either financial institutions get into new markets or new markets saying, hey, I want to better understand fintech mm -hmm. payments, insurance, whatever. So as a consultant, you probably work with all different agencies or different industries? Yes, and purposely the ones that, that want to go into a new market. If you're in an industry and you want to increase by 1%, go find somebody else, yeah. right? This is really about dynamic, high profit growth, but you, but you got to be open to something different than what you've done for the last 10 years. And is it hard for those companies to do things differently? Or is it like, because I mean, when it comes to financial services, yeah. like, you know, the trusted true yeah. path is the best path. And going into these emerging markets, like that must be pretty risky. It is, but again, I'll go back to the, the relationships. I'm so grateful for having way too many years in the industry. <laughs> and you build these relationships of trust yeah. where a lot of the clients that come in, there's been several other industries over the last 10 years, 10, yeah. 15, where I've said, okay, you do X. 10% outside of X is this other thing. Let's, let's take you in there. You never want to scare them to death. But these are opportunities, and there's not that many places in payments and fintech and insurance that are net new. 
It usually is one or two percent growth. This is a whole other industry. Both of those are actually. So let's break down EMC. Like you said, payments, insurance. Like what? What do you guys do on a day to day basis? So it is a, a coalition. So EMC's role is to connect. There's three legs to the stool. If you think about it, there's government. There's the financial industry and there's the cannabis industry. Okay. Three industries that generally have not interacted much, generally don't understand each other or trust each other. So by, again, having the relationships, we can bring in law enforcement and cannabis and mm-hmm. say, yeah, there's some bad players out there, but most of them are really good if you understood the processes, if you understood the good players. And it's, it's worked that way across all these different pieces. So EMC is all about money. So insurance, banking, payroll, um, investment, lending, whatever. But EMC is the connecting. It's a a nonprofit. It doesn't own the platforms. It brings the platforms together. together. But you don't just get to join if you're a jerk, right? You have to actually have a clue and have a good intent. And you got to have some decent technology. And it's worked for both organizations. Where are some of those really underserved areas? Like, obviously, you're working in cannabis. Mm -hmm. But what are some of those underbanked underserved emerging markets that you're working in? So you can look at it by vertical industry, which is how I usually do. And any place where banking is harder to get. So in the U.S., there are 50 million people without bank accounts. Oh, wow. For all different reasons, right? So explaining that to a Canadian or a European, going, wait, you know, bank accounts? But there's nothing wrong with them, right? It's it's for different reasons. So underbanked and underserved. What are some of those reasons? Just sorry to interrupt, but what are some of the reasons that they wouldn't have bank accounts? So in some cases, it's people who've come into the country from other countries where, pardon my language, their banks or their government screwed them up, right? So they, they don't trust it. Some, it's what's called a thin file. So, like, my kids are teenagers. So, to get a bank account, um, especially if you've ever bounced a check, you need somebody to come in and help you with it. It could be that you had a bad period in your life and you bounced a bunch of checks. Well, there's a list that keeps you off of, of getting a bank account. Oh, okay. In cannabis, sometimes the challenge, if you, if you have a conviction of, of whatever level in law enforcement, it's, it's hard to get a bank account. Now, there's some things going on with expunging that, that will help help with that. What do you see as the the biggest roadblock, financial roadblock for dispensaries out there? Obviously there's the emerging markets and and that would be cannabis. What is that roadblock that's standing in the way of it being more normalized? The biggest, which everybody will tell you, is its legal status at the federal level. So I go to these conferences and, and experts get on stage and say if we pass the SAFE Act, every bank is gonna come flooding in and Visa and MasterCard and no. That's not true. We could geek out on what the SAFE Act is, yeah. right? But it's it's a high-risk market. And if you take another high-risk market that's older, liquor. There's not very many financial institutions that will serve the liquor market or gaming. Financial institutions are conservative by nature. Now, are you, are you going to have every financial institution even once it's descheduled? No, because it's still high-risk. But you would have a broader base. And part of what, what EMC does is, is helping on the financial services side so that more of the industry will understand the market and not just be deer in the headlights. No, no, this is a highly regulated mm. market, guys. You just don't understand it yet. It's so regulated, the, the actual product in a store. We've got safes, we've got cameras, we've got all of that. But like, it seems like it would make more sense to, to bank on a cannabis company than a clothing company or, or a grocery store. The risk 
isn't as high, I think, as some people think because it is so regulated and so controlled. Like, you know, the, there's a, it seems like there's a higher risk in just a regular 7-Eleven than there is in a dispensary because you've got security and all that stuff. Convenience stores are high risk market too. They so, are, so, that's so true. Like, so part of it, and this, this is part of the, the education on the cannabis side, is there's technology, there's fraudsters, there's good guys, bad guys, that as, as financial institutions, we saw their tricks 10 years ago. And so spending a lot of time with this industry, there's a lot of opportunities to improve, to, to become more cutting edge. There's so much opportunity just to share with the cannabis industry what other industries are doing that is cutting edge. Yeah. One of our big cannabis colleagues, she said, I want you to do a series called Think Like a Bad Guy. <laughs> because she'll call me on a Sunday and say, you're not going to believe what happened at this dispensary. I'm like, yeah, most even retailers wouldn't have fallen for that. It's just that the training isn't there. You are never going to be fraud proof ever, but you want to make yourself a harder target than the next business because they're lazy. They'll go after the one that's easier. Going back to that safe banking, what would the Safe Banking Act Act being passed, what would that do for our industry? And you see that happening anytime soon. The good thing with safe banking is that it is a step forward. The, the challenge is it solves within the states themselves. It does not solve when you cross state lines. So any regional bank, any card network, Visa, MasterCard, Amazon, Discover, any insurer, anytime the data or the dollars related to dollars cross the state lines, it doesn't fix it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's helpful, but it's so frustrating to, to hear experts thinking it's a panacea. It, it's not. So then the next question was, what's the chance of it passing? Part of the challenge is some people say, just pass it. Yeah. Just pass it, we'll fix it later. And others are like, no, 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 we want all of these, we call it a Christmas tree on Capitol Hill. Add all this other stuff, and that's what's, what's slowing it down and there's safe there's safe plus there's there's all of these what would it take for us to kind of get out of our own way and like rally together and pass something that is actually going to be beneficial because it it sounds so confusing and it sounds like the more stuff we add to it the less likely it is that it's going to pass so it, it, in my experience we need to band together and it's not cheap but what's the cost of losing your business? What's the cost of an 85% effective tax rate? But I would welcome anybody who wants to have that discussion because we've got the, the friends and colleagues in the federal government. We've got them in the IRS. We've got them in law enforcement. We've got the financial services folks. Would love to have a, a real collaborative discussion mm. with those in cannabis who really want to make a difference, but you can't do it on your own. Do you spend a lot of time on Capitol Hill and and working with the government, do you find that there are some people that are really open to the idea of making this no longer an emerging market, a, a market, a viable market, a viable place for people to build businesses? Or is there still a lot of pushback to, to uh, that? Well, it's interesting what they will say during work and what they'll say after the third glass of wine or third beer or whatever, right? So even the most far, far right conservatives met with one of them and I got into his office and he said, you need to leave. Mm. You didn't tell me you were going to talk about pot. I thought you were coming in for FinTech. He said, well, that, that'll never be legal in my state. And I said, yeah. well, but it's legal in all the states around you. So that money is in your schools. It's in your streets. It's in your banks. 
Now you can hide under your desk and pretend it's not there, let the bad guys run it, or you can come on out and help the good guys. And well, all right, what do you need but don't ever use my name? <laughs> but the voters have spoken. And that's been some of the discussion. It doesn't matter what you think. Your mm -hmm. voters spoke. And there's some tax opportunities here, which yeah. they love. The tagline for EMC is making all transactions transparent, traceable, taxable. Mm. So both sides of the aisle like that, right? They're like, Fairly yeah. taxable. But, but it's, you have to have the right rules that are there. And, and the way to validate if, is that a gray market or is it a licensed, properly licensed market sale? Where's the money? Follow the money. So it's, it's not easy, but we've done it before. We have mm. the playbook. It just takes enough players at the table. What sort of technology do you use to track that money? So the good news, all the technology is already there. It's just bringing this industry, getting those who offer the technology to offer it to this industry, right? And this industry adopting it. But if you look at cash, right? All higher risk markets are cash high, high cash, right? So instead of just taking cash in and sticking it in a drawer and putting it in a back room, you can work with a cash recycler, which would bring the cash in, it captures it. There's a whole process to that, right? It's used in, in convenience stores already. Having real live banking and real live payments, just like you have in other industries. So it, everything is there and then you have to have the proper insurance, right? So it's, we just need enough people at the table to say, yes, I, I want to help with this. And it benefits all. It does. Well, and it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's business. So mm -hmm. I think that it's going to win over those people. Like you said, that conversation you had, like, yeah, but the taxes, like, you know, like at the end of the day, you, do you want your s schools and streets yeah. and all of that? And if there's a way that we can really get that message out and destigmatize our industry and say, this is not the, the devil you think it is. One of the things that I found that's really helpful at, as a banking geek, right, mm -hmm. is if, you've, if you're working with someone who's already got those relationships on the Hill, law enforcement, what have you, and there's already a trusted relationship, then we already have an, an in to go talk to that crabby member of Congress I told yeah. you about, right? But if you go in cold and they don't know who you are, and you're not being introduced by somebody they already know, and, and they don't already trust you, it's much, much harder. How have you been able to get access to these people? How have you been able to get into well, some of these meetings with people that obviously are not the typical cannabis audience? Yeah. When you go in as a financial services banker that's done higher risk, and again, has never embarrassed the member of Congress or media, never never lied, whatever. You can get in and say, hey, you know that other industry that, mm. that we've worked together on? I've got one really similar that's in a very similar state to where that one was back in the day. Remember how yeah. we worked together and how well we did together? And it's, they'll go, yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. And, and you always want them to look like a hero, right? So there's all kinds of ways to do that. But you have to have that entrance point. Right. And you can't do it cold. And I don't care how much you pay a, a lobbyist if they don't have the relationships it's not going to work. I'm curious about your nonprofit work with the, the tracing the money for human trafficking. Mm -hmm. I have, I've been involved with IJM, yes. International Justice Mission. Yeah. You know, they work with local officials and everything. But at mm -hmm. the end of the day, it really is tracing the money. If you can stop the money. So tell me a bit about your work there. This is when I was running the other trade coalition. And, um, and I was coming off stage as a very senior law enforcement said, just so you know, I think you're a money launderer and a human trafficker. <laughs> he like whispered it as I'm going on stage. Oh man. So imagine that, right? Yeah. So afterwards I cornered him at coffee. I'm like, obviously you had a reason for saying that, right? 
And he was just full of misinformation. But what happened is he said, well, then teach me mm. and, and teach my other alphabet soup agencies, right? Yeah. And my on the ground IJM kind of folks. What is it that could be happening with money movement? And show us how to write a subpoena and show us how to work with the money geeks. And I said, great. The money geeks need to know that you're going to be collaborative. And, and so there's all kinds of privacy rules in the U.S. on, on money movement. So we had to get lawyers involved on what are we allowed to share. But it, it went from this very adversarial relationship to collaborating to say, depending on how the money came into the system, if you've got a good fintech expert, they can show you where it's moving. And, and just one example. So I was in church one morning and got a call. It was like 8.30 in the morning. And it was a friend who's a U.S. Marshal. I'm like, I had to crawl over all these people. This better darn well be good. And she said, we have a, a criminal. If, if the marshal is after you, you're convicted. And they've grabbed a kid. I was in Texas, South Texas. And she said, and I know that, that this is the bank and they're using this kind of card. Tell me where they're going. Hmm. Well, luckily we already had all the privacy, all the stuff that, and I knew the bank CEO did the same thing to her, right? Called her out and it was follow the money and caught the bad guy and rescued the kid. It's not very often as FinTech people that you get to help heroes. We just move money, right? We're not heroes, but you get to help. And that's where on whether it's payments as a lifeline or anti-human trafficking or, or EMC, as people who move money, we can just do it for profit. But there's also unique knowledge and unique expertise and relationships that can be pointed for good. That's the anti-human trafficking but on the Payments as a Lifeline and, and Emerging Markets Coalition, those are profitable businesses, net new profitable businesses that most folks within financial services are, either aren't aware it's even there or they've got some stigma about it. I think the work you're doing in all of those areas is so key and, it's, and it, it really is connected. Like yep. I, I love the fact that like your passion, it's, it's, it's coming from a place of wanting to help people. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, that's really what everyone that's here, yeah. all however many thousands yeah. of people there are, we want to help people. We have, we're working in an industry with a plant that helps people, yeah. you know, I, but unfortunately there's the stigma that it harms people, but there's a system that's harmed people, yeah. you know, the war on drugs and all of these things that have hurt marginalized mm -hmm. communities. And I think, I think what you're doing is is so important, and and that's why like I think you need to get up on all the stages and share because it it, it is all about tracking that money, mm -hmm. following the money, and empowering people to follow their dreams. Your passion is also shared, and the more that we can get the message out, there should be a lot more fintech, insurance, payments, banking, lending, investing in this segment at a, a more reasonable price. That means we need more. Uh, well, and that's what we're working at Kaya Push. We're in HR management because we know we want to empower those bud tenders yeah. and make it easier for dispensary owners to open the businesses, follow their dreams. And, you know, I've heard so many stories of people that are like, this is my this is my dream is to mm -hmm. open a business and I'm passionate about cannabis and they're going for it. Yeah. But it's so hard if there's no banking. So we need to keep working to make that available to people. Well, not just core banking, but yeah. the bud tenders. I've seen cases where their mortgages were called by the financial institution, or we're not taking your, your payroll anymore, whatever it is. So we really need to educate enough 
so that it's fact-based. Even with HR, the, the cannabis owner, business owner, is competing with other vertical markets. Other vertical markets give retirement. There's all kinds of things that have to do with HR that are harder for a cannabis business. What would be your advice then, your nugget for those people in those underserved markets? Give some hope out there for those people that are like struggling. What would your advice be to them when it comes to financial services? So we look at cannabis specifically as yeah. an underserved market. I mean, I started in 2019, which isn't very long, but it's like dog years. We've made a lot of progress since then. Uh, all these clients I've had for years that are household names, yeah. you would know, in financial services, where 2019, they're like, wait, you're doing what? Have you lost your mind again? And now they're in the last 60 days, they've come around to say, you know that industry, could you help us better understand it? And so we're starting these conversations and the projects start in January. So you could see a lot more of these offerings. Um, so I would hold out hope for that. Our lawmakers are becoming younger right? Mm -hmm. We saw that in, in the election. And more open-minded. And even the right-wing goofball that I told you the story about, I could watch his eyes change from get the hell out of my office yeah. to, okay, you got a point. You don't have to leave. So we're making progress. No matter what industry it is, I don't care how big the business is, there's more power together. You yeah. could not have the same impact on all these places we're talking about, federal government, state government, law enforcement, IRS, by yourself. We got to work together. Yeah. So if people want to find out more about the work you're doing, EMC, like how would people connect with you? And are you, like you said, are you, are you looking for people to join the coalition and how yeah. would people get connected? So if you go on to emcoalition.org, at the bottom is a contact piece okay. there. EM coalition is, is just B2B, right? So it's not consumer facing. It would bring together whether you're a cannabis business, cannabis related, financial services. We've even got some government folks that, uh, a lot of our members, their names are not listed. They're okay. company names for all the reasons you might get. But get involved. And this is a different industry probably than most have been in. Or if you've been in cannabis for a long time, I'm sorry how Capitol Hill works. It, that, that's how it works. You don't have to like it, but participate or not, but don't whine. It's your choice. I would encourage people, if, the, if you feel passionate about this, to reach out to Kirsten. And thank you so much for taking the time to share your passion, share your, your work that you're doing. And I, I just want to encourage you to keep, keep going. Well, thank you very much. This yeah. is fun. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I took away from that conversation was really that we need to work together and that it's going to take time. It's going to take money. It's really going to take people stepping up as an industry, banding together to make the change that we need to see in this industry. And people like Kirsten and the team at Emerging Markets Coalition and, and everybody that's working for this fight, I applaud you because you are the ones that are the change makers in this industry. So again, check out their website. All their links and everything will be in the bio and on our website, kayacast.fm where you can find all of our past episodes. You can find interviews. So again, thank you for listening to the podcast. We appreciate all of the feedback we get on reviews, on subscribers, and even emails and messages on social media. Thanks for listening to the KayaCast podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app or visit our website at kayacast.fm to learn more about our guests and to access the full archive of episodes of the show. We can't wait to share more stories with you each week of cannabis retailers launching, growing, and scaling their business.